Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of CPA Review and More. We are pleased to bring you the number one podcast for CPAs and CPA candidates. If you'd like to learn more about how Jaeger CPA Review can help you, find us on our website at JaegerCPAReview.com. Now, here's your host, Phil Jaeger. Now, you founded the Institute for Blockchain and Crypto Asset Research. Yes, okay. I did. All right. What is that institute? I mean, are you the only one? No. So, so actually, I had actually founded that back during the fourth quarter of 2020. And we have an editorial board now in place. We have an uh, advisory board also in, in place. And we are currently working on three different projects. And so the whole point of this is that there has been quite a bit of conversation on both sides. Pros and cons, accounting, non-accounting um, conversation around blockchain and crypto, but it's but it has been awfully tough to try to sort of bring together all of these different threads into one comprehensive outlook. And so, hopefully, the the idea is is that our institute can be a part of trying to bring that conversation sort of out of the fringe and to hopefully tone down some of the rhetoric and to have a real objective conversation on the opportunities and the obstacles to blockchain and various crypto being used more in every aspect of the economic outlook. Are these advisors, uh, members of the board, are they compensated? How are they compensated? Uh, They are not compensated currently. All right. So what's uh, what's the incentive to be on your board? They don't get director's fees, mm-hmm. right? You don't pay the consultants, right? Mm-hmm. So why are they involved if there's really nothing? What's in it for them? I guess that, that's our society today. What's in it for you? Well, I mean, I'd say probably the most obvious thing is, is they have access to, to me and my charm, good looks, jokes. You but- can't place a dollar <laughs> no, on that. No, 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 no. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but actually sort of, the, sort of the main thing here, right, is that, you know, all of the folks that are involved right now are true believers and advocates, right, of the opportunities around blockchain and crypto. And they're all actively involved either at their own firms or they're at crypto or blockchain linked companies. And so all of them do have a interest in having more constructive policies out there for, for their firms to operate under. At the school, Lehman College, mm-hmm. all right, uh, you're actually, you were telling me that in the Masters of Accounting program, you're introducing three new courses in the fall on cryptocurrency? Yes. So actually at the college, we are introducing two blockchain crypto classes at the undergraduate level and then one at the MSA level. Yep. And all three of those are currently on the books to start in, yes, the uh, fall semester. Why? I mean, are there accountants, CPAs that are just going into uh, working with cryptocurrency or becoming experts in that area? All right. By the way, how many other schools offer these type of courses? There are obviously courses offered at places like Columbia, MIT, and all the rest. But in terms of sort of non-Ivy League schools, I know I've given guest courses and guest lectures now at about 12 or so different institutions 
which I think tells you that that they don't have it offered otherwise. And so in terms of are there other folks out there going directly into crypto? Yes, I actually know personally, just off the top of my head here, two individuals who are CPAs, who are both currently serving as executive level role at two different cryptocurrency firms. Hmm. So they came out of college. Did they get experience in cryptocurrency first or what did they do? I mean, you know, we know when you get a job in public accounting, you just, you know, you graduate, you have your master's in accounting and you go work in a public accounting firm. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, What these people, first of all, why did they go into cryptocurrency? I can't speak for them really too much, but I do talk to them quite a bit. And so these, these two individuals who are only the two that I thought of, you know, at this moment, both are in crypto because they both understand the real opportunities of it in terms of, you know, better data, transparency, traceability, integrity, lower fees, and now actually being able to bring some of that operational upside into the audit and sort of corporate tax areas. But to answer that actual question, the two of them both got experience in non-crypto areas before moving over into a more sort of crypto-focused role. Is the AICPA recognize that as a specialization getting into cryptocurrency? I mean, they recognize tax compliance as a specialization, all right? Auditing, all right? What's the AICPA's position if they have made a position on cryptocurrency? Can you specialize in this area? I know that the AICPA does have now an entire suite of blockchain and crypto courses for current CPAs, and they've actually published quite a bit of audit information around how to audit for crypto, how to audit blockchains. So I don't know if they've actually taken a position on having it sort of codified yet as its own area, but they are quite active in it. Because in 2024, they're going to CPA evolution. Yep. You will pick a specialization, you know. And of course, uh, cryptocurrency is not one of those right now, Mm -hmm. right? Are you, I mean, as a representative of this profession, cryptocurrency, are you pushing at all to say to the AICPA, hey, we feel that just like forensic accounting is not one of those, all Mm -hmm. right? How about cryptocurrency? Do you think you'd have any... Any influence to get that as a specialization that the ASCPA would recognize? Well, I do know that they are going to have crypto and blockchain under, I believe they're calling it information technology as oh, so one of the new IT. areas. Okay, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's in IT for the current time. But yeah, I'm missing something. Why is yes. it IT? Sure. Well, because it's, it's in IT because there's no FASB crypto-focused guidance yet, and there are no audit rules, again, linked directly to crypto. So if we are trying to get it into the accounting sort of uh, conversation, IT is the only avenue right now because there is no crypto-specific guidance for accounting or auditing yet. Yeah, because the IT, you know, is one of the specializations. Yep. Right. So if you want to get to cryptocurrency, you're actually getting your specialization is IT. Yes, correct. Right? At this time, yes. Do you think to the average student coming out of college, 
All right. If they're listening to this, you think this whole discussion of cryptocurrency would be confusing to them? But a lot of people tell you this is a very confusing area. And Absolutely. I don't know how I could possibly learn it. I mean, that's probably the probably top comment that I get after any training, any consulting, any you know, PowerPoints that I do, it's always like, it's a very interesting area. It's very cool. I know that I have to know more, but it's awfully hard to try to capture all of it. And so, yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, that's complicated and fast moving, but it's not any, any more fundamentally difficult than any other area to educate yourself about, right? Be it taxes, be it auditing, both of those are complicated, big areas. And blockchain crypto is also a complicated big area isn't any different at that level the first time i was on with you and and actually i walked away and i said gee you know i didn't i didn't know what cryptocurrency was now i have some idea but i don't intend on becoming a specialist in it right because a lot of stuff you know was it was brand new that and -hmm. of course uh, i don't think colleges maybe necessarily say, hey, we got to have a course in cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. It's like they have to take a course in auditing, all right? But do you ever see any problems? Well, what, what are the problems with cryptocurrency? Besides the fact it's very volatile, all right? Mm-hmm. What are the true problems? What are you trying to do about these problems? Sure. So I say the two biggest problems right now is one, education, be it, be it for students, be it for folks out there in industry, be it for policymakers, there is a lot of bad information out there still. So education for one. And then two, trying to get blockchain and crypto technology to interoperate correctly with other IT out there, like QuickBooks even, right? Trying to get crypto and blockchain to work. QuickBooks doesn't have anything with blockchain, am I correct? I do not believe so. Uh, now, but I do believe that they are hard at work on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To go down, and once again, I have Dr. Sean's resume in front of me. Okay. And I want to find out if these are legitimate. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's actually, you know, and I, I've tried so hard to become one of these people. He is in the top 100 most influential people in accounting. Now, Sean, I've tried my best to become influential. I, you know, I do this podcast. All right. I don't make personal appearances because I have groupies that follow me all over the place. Well, you, well yes, obviously you would. Yeah, yeah, you can understand. Because it's my taste in artwork. You can see the artwork. <laughs> right? But, uh, you know, how did you become the most influential? Who nominated you for that? And how did you get that title? To be honest with you, Phil, I, had, I don't really know. I was... What a was, modest, aren't you? I was contacted by them and they had some questions to fill out and you put in the application. Who, who is them? Who is them? Actually run by the folks at Accounting Today. So it was a person on their team. Okay. So this is their... Is this ranking? their ranking. All right. So you were, not, you were notified by them? Yes, correct. Said, All right. Dr. Smith, because you are Dr. Smith, we'd like you to be the one of the top... 100 most influential people in accounting. All right. Now, did anybody vote on that? That honestly, I do I not didn't know. get a ballot. I can tell you that. All right. <laughs> all right? <laughs> it was in the mail, Phil. It was in the mail. Right. <laughs> Gee, maybe it was sent as crypto voting. Ah, it could have been that. It could have been sent to your wallet, <laughs> to your hot wallet. But no, that's very, very good. There's only 
100 most influential people. That's very good. Okay. By the way, see what you can do for next year. You know, slip my name in. You know, you're in that uh, group now. I'll put a good word for you. Yeah. And you're a visiting research fellow. All right. What is the American Institute of Economic Research? What do they do? Sure. So the AIER is a research institute focused on really the ideas of, you know, free markets and individual liberty and trying to sort of incorporate those ideas of competition, free markets, personal choices into aspects of economic life and other aspects of external life also. And I should have a book out with them, co-authored with a other fellow up there, and hopefully should be out during the back half of this year. Who's publishing this book? A-I-T-R. I'm sorry, who? The A-I-E-R has its own in, in oh, our publishing okay. arm. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Gee, that's great. Thank you. Uh, now, what is your, uh, being in, the, in what you're doing now, all right, what is your ultimate goal for the future for cryptocurrency? Why are you in this and what are you trying to accomplish? Sure. So the ultimate goal that I have is to try to see blockchain and crypto be really used as a baseline for the 21st and, and 22nd century way of actually doing things, right? Because our payment systems, our currency systems were built in the 1800s. 1900s and they aren't really up to par with with trying to grow and develop and ultimately compete both in the u.s and internationally so the so the whole goal that i have is that you know by educating individuals interacting with individuals and policymakers on podcasts panels going down to dc all the rest is that ideally you know all of us can try to incorporate the best aspects of blockchain and crypto however those aspects ultimately play out into other ways of economic activity okay it's, no it's, it sounds very interesting and i you know something that people are not aware you know they're not familiar with it probably does sound some degree of difficulty okay mm -hmm. all right now if people are thinking maybe yeah maybe it's an area i'll want to get into all right who would they contact? I'd say me, first of all. No, but... Uh, but uh, <laughs> I have a I'd question. Say, How yes. much cryptocurrency are you carrying right now in your pocket? Right now in my pocket? I'm carrying none, Phil, because it's, yeah. it's, it, it's all virtual. <laughs> <laughs> it's all virtual. Can't be carrying it around. Right. <laughs> it's intangible, uh, right? It's intangible. It's like the cloud accounting. You don't see the cloud, but it's <laughs> there, right? Okay. Yes. Yep. So probably the best places that I would start, AICPA is always a excellent resource. I'm I'm on the board at the Wall Street Blockchain of Alliance, which is a nonprofit trade group, also focused in this area. And and actually I chair the accounting working group there. And so our group has a podcast each month, has published five white papers, and we're in the process of probably two other ones coming out soon. So AICPA, WSBA, and then really any, any of your state societies that are active in it, because they're all trying to offer courses in this area, either focusing on the audit side, tax side, other areas of it. So I'd say that if you have those places to, to start, you'll have a good objective foundation to then go out and to you know deal more directly with actual firms out there too to contact sean 
All right. His email address is Dr. Dr. Sean, S-E-A-N, Stein, S-T-E-I-N, all right, Smith, S-M-I-T-H, at gmail.com. All right. If you have any questions on this, I'm sure you'd be very happy to hear from you. And I want to know one thing. All right. Yes. You're going to do something about getting me on that most influential list. Absolutely, Phil. Okay. Everyone heard that? We got this. Yes. All, right. All right. Hey. And also, if you can't do that, uh, how about the top 40 under 65? The top 40 <laughs> under 65? Yeah. I can work on that. No, you can't do that, huh? Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Sean, you're you're a nice guy. I'm sorry I didn't get to see you, but all these poor people have to do is see me. And, uh, <laughs> and by the way, I appreciate you doing this. The guy who works for us must have called you and really harassed you to do this. Is that correct? Oh my God, constantly, Phil. Emails, text messages, all hours of the day and night. Yeah, and he says, constant harassment. Yeah, why do you do that to this man? I said, <laughs> I'm a New Yorker, all right? <laughs> All right. We don't we don't give up until we get what we want. And by the way, you have a New York accent. Do you know that? No. What accent? We don't have accents. Neither one of us. You're right. You're right. Well, Sean, thank you very much. And I, I wish you the best with uh, cryptocurrency. I think I think it's an interesting area to get into. Sean, you stay well. I'll send you some information. And please yep. you can help us promote the Ager course. Couldn't thank you enough. And I'll give you two dinners. In All right. There we go. Yeah, now yeah. we're talking. Or do you want to go for the third dinner? Okay. <laughs> hey, Sean, stay well. And All I'll right, talk Phil. to you soon, okay? All right, Phil. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much for listening to Jaeger CPA Review and more. As a token for our appreciation for your listenership, we'd like to offer you 10% off your next purchase with Jaeger CPA Review. Save between $50 to $150 with code PODCAST10. If you'd like more information, look us up on JaegerCPAReview.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate and review on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of CPA Review and More. We are pleased to bring you the number one podcast for CPAs and CPA candidates. If you'd like to learn more about how Jaeger CPA Review can help you, find us on our website at JaegerCPAReview.com. Now, here's your host, Phil Jaeger. Hello, everyone. This is Phil Yeager, and welcome to CPA Review and more. The purpose of my podcast originally was to cover CPA Review topics because I own a CPA Review course, but we found out that people wanted more than that. So we brought in people like Sean Smith, Dr. Sean Smith, who will talk about cryptocurrency, and we've spoken about every other, you know, like advisory services and what you have to do, what you have to study, all right, to actually get into the consulting area, which is becoming a very big area, all right, in accounting. In fact, the number one revenue of the big four comes from their consulting or advisory services. Public accounting audits are not the big revenue anymore. It's the advisory services. So we've brought in different people from all over the country to talk about what's involved in getting into that area. And along the way, all right, 
I was very pleased to meet Dr. Sean Stein Smith. Okay. He actually had a longer name. We had a short now. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was Sean Smith. Well, I can't even think of a funny comment, but anyway. All right. Sean is a, uh, can I call you just Sean? Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Call me master. No, master. No. Okay. Yeah. Master. Right. <laughs> All right. You are assistant professor at the Lehman college. Yes, uh, Lehman college is the school of business uh, for city college. Actually, one of the 27 colleges that's part of the CU NY system. So it, it's its own college, undergrad college on a gorgeous campus in the Bronx, New York. You know, I, my, my father, mother's family was all from the Bronx. Okay, nice. And, uh, you know, we, we lived on Long Island. I've mentioned this. Uh, for those who don't know where Long Island is, it's a Long Island outside of New York. No, I grew up there and my parents, you know, they love the food in New York. So every weekend we'd go to a, a supermarket in the Bronx, all right, and get all of this delicatessen stuff, you know, whitefish, all this stuff, all right, which if you're from another state, you may not know what that is. But I actually, during my college years, I got a real estate license and I actually rented apartments in the Bronx. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, you know, I, and actually I, I really enjoyed it because I was like 19 years old and these people own all these apartment buildings in the Bronx and it was a lot nicer at one time. All right. They would deal with me and they would call me, you know, hey kid, do you know what you're doing? You know, this type of thing. So anyway, I established a very good relationship with a lot of these people, but I enjoyed that. And actually I made good money. The commissions were very good. All right. So anyway, I know the Bronx very well. And uh, I don't know what the Bronx is like now. Uh, where is this in the Bronx, by the way? So it's right in the, uh, I guess it's a few blocks away from where Fordham is. It's on uh, where, I'm sorry, Fordham. Oh, Fordham, Fordham, Fordham is, yeah. So it's right off of Bedford Park. Yeah, yeah. Boulevard. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fordham Road used to be really nice back in the 70s, 60s, whatever. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm really dating myself. All right. <laughs> But they had, oh, God, we used to go shopping there. There's Fordham Road. It's like, well, mm -hmm. I don't know what Fordham Road is like. But, you know, I went through the Bronx once since I graduated college, and it looked like uh, Ford Apache, the Bronx, I think they called it. It was really leveled in many respects. All right. Is Bronx coming back? Absolutely. I, I would say so, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, there are... Always going to be areas that are, you know, better off than others. But overall, absolutely. Good, good. Well, anyway, Dr. Sean Stein-Smith, he is into cryptocurrency. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, I know our currency is the dollar, five, ten dollar bill. What is this cryptocurrency? I've heard about it. Yeah, I've mm -hmm. heard people saying that. All right. So Dr. Sean Stein-Smith has that. All right. Tell us what cryptocurrency is and why we need it versus just keeping our normal currency. All right. What's the advantages of cryptocurrency and what are some maybe disadvantages? All right. Yeah, sure. Yep. Absolutely. So probably to try to categorize what actually the currency is, is it's a form of virtual money, right? That isn't issued by any sort of governmental entity at a very, very basic level. Right. So I'll focus on uh, Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the you know, biggest, baddest one out there. Everyone's heard of it. 
So it's a form of completely uh, decentralized money, not issued, you know, not controlled, not not governed, minted by any one entity. Okay, so it's totally separate from any current financial governmental group. Great. So the upsides of that is that really, in terms of trying to actually send money, make payments, anybody who's ever had to send a ACH, wire transfer, bank transfer of any kind knows that it takes forever, costs you money to actually send money. And then the other individual on the other end has to wait three, five, 10 actual days to access that money. Whereas opposed to Bitcoin and other crypto assets out there, you are able to actually transmit that money in real time. And it costs exponentially less to send. It's faster. And the individual on the other end has access to it right away. Now, in terms of the obstacles, right, there are plenty of obstacles out there. And I'm sure uh, all of us have, have heard of it, that it can be used for criminal activities, but, but any currency can be used for criminal activities, right? But And probably the main issues right now is that the educational aspect of it is still up and coming. There is some ambiguity in terms of how it's going to be treated in terms of tax, property rights, all the rest. And then three, most companies aren't yet taking crypto as a form of payment. So it's an excellent idea and it works, right? The IT side of it works, blockchain works, and the crypto assets work. It's just now trying to get people on board with it. With the terminology, you just said blockchain. Mm -hmm. uh, where does that fit into the cryptocurrency? Sure. So, so the best way to try to think about blockchain and crypto is that all of us use the internet every single day, right? And, and we're on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all the rest, right? So the internet is that base phone. And then all of those other applications are the interaction points for us. Exact same thing. Blockchain is that underlying platform that Bitcoin and other crypto assets run on. Is there an exchange uh, that you can trade this like, the, you know, the Dow or the Nasdaq? Yes. So there are probably now actually quite a few crypto trading platforms out there. But the one that's probably the easiest and the most transparent one for anybody trading here in the US is actually Coinbase, which had its IPO back earlier in in 2021. So it's a US public company, has to be audited, has to file. So that's probably the best way, if you are interested, right, in trading, buying Bitcoin or other uh, assets uh, in this area to try to sort of get yourself underway. Bitcoins, are they actual coins? Like a <laughs> coin or, you know, no, are they intangible, no, it's, intangible? What are they? So it's an entirely virtual item. So, okay. so there are no bitcoins that I can carry around with me. I wouldn't want to either. But yeah, I mean, the whole crypto asset space, there are not any you know, bills or actual coins in there. It's all virtual. You're actually buying this cryptocurrency because like any other currency, you're hoping that you'll pay a certain price 
and the value of that cryptocurrency will go up, correct? Uh, ah, Phil, you know, that's that's a big, big question that I've been talking about quite a bit for the last couple of years, right? Because Bitcoin had popped up to its all-time high back, I guess, at the end of March, early April, and it topped out at around 65 grand. And then it's been pretty much trading at about thirty to thirty-eight thousand dollars for the last maybe two to three months. So yeah, I mean, on the on the one hand, right, Bitcoin and other crypto were actually built to be used as a currency option, but Bitcoin by its actual self is being treated mainly, as far as I've seen, as a asset class, as a investment choice. Whereas other types of crypto assets are now actually being used to, you know, pay for goods, services, and to actually do transactions. You're saying the value of the cryptocurrency has been coming down? Is that what you said? Yes. So why would I want to invest in cryptocurrency? <laughs> well, Phil, so I have this great new idea for you here, right? The whole idea is to buy low, sell high. Gee, not I to buy that's high, that's an excellent sell low. Right? <laughs> All right, podcast is done. Made some news here today. Well, you know what, Sean? Everything I buy is always high, and I sell it low. Right? <laughs> I but can't help you with if, that. If you buy cryptocurrency and you sell it at a loss, all right, mm -hmm. is it a capital loss like selling securities? You are able to to take basically the exact same type of loss on that as if you were buying a share of equity that, that had dropped and you sold at a loss. So yeah, so it's treated basically from a tax point of view as any other personal property. Are there sections in the Internal Revenue Code that talk specifically about cryptocurrency? So here's where it can get a bit hairy. Um, there, there are no code sections. The IRS has issued a lot of FAQs, they issued a couple revenue rulings, but there is no IRS code component yet talking about crypto because, as you know, probably, well, hopefully, um, the uh, IRS code has to be passed by Congress, which isn't able to do anything right now. So there are no components of the formal code dealing directly with crypto, but there is other guidance out there, out of the IRS. Well, does that leave the IRS uh, to disallow losses, being that they don't have specific code? They have regulations done? No. Because the, the regulations would interpret the code. So the best piece of advice that I've been giving people, and obviously crypto tax has been a hot topic the last couple of years, is that you know they've issued their FAQs, rulings, and if you can build a good case for your following of them or your interpretation of them, then you are going to be good probably until the IRS has a new head or you know, a uh, new point of view on this. Someone got into my uh, credit card last week and I bought supposedly from them uh -huh. some <laughs> cryptocurrency, okay? And I got a notice that they were going to deliver it, all right, the next <laughs> week. Now, I, first of all, uh, it was a scam, we found out. But, you know, I, for example, if I want to invest in blue chip stocks, I know which mm -hmm. ones are considered blue chip, all right? Sure. Are yep. there blue chip blockchain? Uh, I mean, as a blue chip currency, all right, are some better than other that have less risk? 
that would depend on how you want to classify risk, right? So if you're talking about crypto like Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, all of those do trade basically like commodities, right? They are driven mainly by headlines, policy, because they don't have any underlying cash flows, all the rest. So if you're talking about risk in terms of upside risk, downside risk, yes, there are higher risk coins out there, as opposed to if you are actually trying to to dip your toes into crypto to buy some to maybe use at, I don't know, some, some coffee shop, pizza place, whatever, there are privately issued coins or tokens because that are lower risk in terms of their actual price volatility. At the Safeway, which we have where we live, mm-hmm. uh, they have a machine where you can buy cryptocurrency. Yep. First of all, why would I buy cryptocurrency and pay Safeway, okay? And then, all right, I could just pay them with a credit card, you mm-hmm. know, backed up by dollars, all right? Why would I even want to consider going to that machine, buying cryptocurrency, and will Safeway accept it for cash or they don't have to? That all depends. I'm not familiar if uh, if their corporate policy is that they take crypto, but if they have a Bitcoin or crypto ATM or a or a option to buy it at their store, I, I would assume that they're only going to sell crypto options that are able to be used at the store, right? So in terms of of why a individual, you, me, you know, Adam Jones, right, is going to be interested in buying crypto at a Bitcoin ATM right or at a crypto atm that's more to gain exposure right now as opposed to really on a average tuesday it being better right now but it's also important to point out right phil that on the back end right because the you know bitcoin atms i know they have some around here in the city jersey city has some hoboken has some and so all of that is awesome for optics and headlines and all that but on the back end, right, there are firms, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, now are all authorizing people to use crypto to actually do transactions. So it's not really as abstract an idea. And you actually are able to do it now basically as easily as using dollars. If I go and buy groceries at Safeway, all right, mm-hmm. and I want to pay them in cryptocurrency, right? If I didn't, I'd give them dollars, all right? Sure. Yep. Is there an equivalent, like is a dollar, US dollar, one dollar equivalent? What do they call the currency for cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it would depend. All right. So, Phil, I have some some good news and some bad news. So, there are. I don't want to hear uh, the bad news. I really don't. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm giving it to you anyway. Okay. Um, so, so, there are privately issued coins out there backed on a one to one basis by the US dollar. So there are coins out there. We have Tether, which is not technically backed exactly, but we got Tether, we have Paxos, Circle USD are all backed by US dollars. And so they are able to be used as the dollar equal. Now, if, if we're talking about Bitcoin, though, that's a whole other animal. All right, wait, wait a minute. I'm, cryptocurrency is the overall uh, name. What the, okay. Bitcoin is a form of cryptocurrency? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you think of Bitcoins, but if I, if I have a food bill of a hundred dollars, okay. All right. How would, you know, if I pay the cashier in cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. right. 
Are they going to be smart enough to know how much cryptocurrency I have to give them for an equivalent of a $100 purchase? So, yeah, well, if they are offering to actually take, to, if they're asking, the, if they're offering to take payment in that form, yes, right? Because then all of that isn't being done at the store, right? The actual cashier isn't doing it. Then it would, it would be the equivalent of paying with, you know, Apple Pay or any other type of sort of mobile payment option. You would just tap it on the uh, who's you there at the actual checkout, the actual tablet there, and then you'd be on your way. Elon Musk, a few weeks ago, probably longer than that, all right, what a lot of cryptocurrency. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? Why did Elon Musk buy all that cryptocurrency? Well, I would not dare to try to understand his own, you know, Outlook, but the overall comments were that one that it was not him personally buying it; it was his company bought it, and his company Tesla bought, I guess, one point five billion dollars worth at that time of Bitcoin back uh, at the end of February or early March. And so, basically, his own outlook was that one: it was a good way to earn a equitable rate of return on his otherwise low returning assets parked in US dollars, right? One. And that two, that that he's a believer overall of of crypto being used as a medium of doing business going forward. And three, it was awesome for optics. Did he make money on it? At the time, yes. Now I now I don't know what his cost per coin was, so he's probably back at back at about break even now. Okay. Well, you see, if he loses a few million, what is I don't he? feel bad for him, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can run a telethon for him, but you know, <laughs> he doesn't need it. Let's talk about also, I mean, a lot of people on I've heard on CNBC, the financial news arm of NBC, mm -hmm. a lot of people, so-called experts there say they don't like, uh, I don't know what, uh, is Jim Cramer, I, I don't know if he is pro-cryptocurrency, or against it? Do you, do you happen to know? So yeah, so he's actually he's actually gone back and forth, and he had bought Bitcoin at, at some point previously, and then at some point during 2021, I forget when exactly, he was actually quite public that he had actually sold his Bitcoin to pay off his mortgage on his house. So he had been in it, and then I believe is out of it now. Totally. So what's his position on it now? Is he still good? He goes back and forth, yeah. Uh, As he does with uh, everything. So, is this like you know? Because people say it's like monopoly money, right? That's what it is. It's you know, it's you basically taking this currency. A lot of people just don't understand it, mm -hmm. right? and they just figure, hey, you can just you know go print some cryptocurrency, all right? And if you need it, by the way, do you sell those uh, counterfeiting machines? I just wanted to know. Um, we can we can talk about that offline, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, what do people? You know, what's their what's their concern? It has a lot of volatility, correct? Yes. If you're talking about Bitcoin, then yes, yes, there has been quite a lot of volatility. But but Bitcoin is only one of now about twelve thousand cryptocurrencies. Really? Yeah. What's a what's a cryptocurrency that doesn't isn't volatile? So I would say any of these privately issued stablecoins tend to have much lower volatility because they're built 
to be pegged directly to the dollar or gold to help them be able to be used as a medium of doing business. The biggest one that's out there by far is the USDT, a token issued by a firm called Tether, which I know has had some issues in the past with their audits and all the rest, but they have become much more transparent as opposed to 2018 or so. So yeah, I mean, there are absolutely options out there if you do want to get into crypto, if you want to buy some, hold some that that don't have that, you know, agita inducing factor of, you know, $8,000 swings. Where, I mean, I know if I want to buy stock, I obviously have a stockbroker. What is the type of person that buys cryptocurrency? I mean, if you were to listen to the beginning here, do you think you're sort of scaring people with this investment? Well, it's actually quite interesting that the biggest component of crypto investors, buyers, users tend to be in the under 40 age bracket and tend to be more tech oriented anyway. So it's basically like any other new tool, right? The individuals that, that have bought the first iPhone back in what, 2007, 08, were almost always going to be those under 40, you know, tech forward, tech comfortable people. So it isn't really too different from any other new technology tool. Well, you are one of those CPAs, 40 under 40, aren't you? Yes, sir. Okay. I try to be. So. I'm very, how old are you now? About 55 or whatever? Uh, yeah, it feels that way. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. all right. So these people, uh, the under 40 is generally the purchase of, of the cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. Yes, correct. All right. Yes, correct. Now, why is that? Because if it goes down in value, all right, they have enough years ahead of them to make up for the loss. Is that what you're looking? I would assume so, yes. That, or that are they just more risk takers? Probably both. They have a higher risk appetite and they have more time to make up if it goes, you know, under. Do people use uh, cryptocurrency to fund their pension plans, their retirement plans? So that's a interesting question because actually right now under the current IRS tax law, you are not able to contribute Bitcoin or other crypto directly into any IRA products. But the only way that you can is if you run a self-directed IRA, which is basically an IRA managed by a non-traditional. So there are, are some ways out there, and there are some big institutional players that have, that have started to allocate to it. But as far as individuals doing it, I would say that you can, but that has not really caught on. Is the IRS trying to make it hard for people to invest in cryptocurrency? I mean, because one, there's really no internal revenue code, all right? What's the position of, do you know the position of Congress as far as cryptocurrency? What's their feeling about it? Sure, so as far as the position of US lawmakers go, there there actually is a blockchain caucus that I guess sprung up back around 2017 or so, but there are quite a few folks in Congress for I'm sure their own good reasons, that are not pro-blockchain or pro-crypto at all. Do you know anybody? Can you mention a name who's against it? I mean, yeah, I would say that I would say that probably Senator Warren has probably come out as the highest profile anti-crypto individual. And I believe that her or her office or her committee has issued a order. And I, I don't know how much power this this actually has, 
but but I saw that she has given crypto exchanges, I believe, until July twenty eighth to come up with ways to handle crypto better. So she's probably the highest profile person who has come out against crypto, arguing that you know it's not transparent, that it could cause more economic harm than good, yeah, you know, and it's not regulated and all of uh, that. That sounds valid to me. Uh, why do you think that's not valid? It's not regulated. All right. What's your position on that? I would not say that it's always going to be a great investment choice for everybody. But in terms of it being able to cause economic damage, I mean, so can online gambling. And in terms of it being used for criminal activities, the by far the most commonly used currency for crime is the U.S. dollar. And you aren't able to actually trace U.S. dollars either. It's the most untraceable form of currency out there. And then three, in terms of actually not being regulated, that's a bit of a false narrative, right? Right, Because crypto is regulated. We have the biggest U.S. trading platform out there, Coinbase, is now a SEC-registered and compliant company. There are crypto futures forwards that are all regulated by those authorizing bodies. The IRS has come out and issued some form of guidance on it and has really been trying to crack down on the crypto tax avoidance people. And ultimately, the argument that it can be used for criminal activities because it can't be traced has been disproven now on a few high-profile occasions. Most notably back, and I think it was in May or in June, that the FBI was able to, within about a week, recover the, I guess, four and a half million dollars of Bitcoin paid out as part of that colonial pipeline hack. So, I mean, and obviously being U.S. Congress, there is some optics also being used here at play, headlines, rhetoric, but there are valid I would argue, points that sort of undermine those arguments. Did the Colonial uh, colonial Pipeline shut down because it was clogged with Bitcoins? Yes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, full. All right. Now, (laughs) (laughs) it always amazes me how, you know, they say, gee, the Colonial Pipeline has been shut down, all right? Within three to four minutes, all the gas stations have raised their prices. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It was insane. They must have a hotline to the uh, pipeline. I guess. I guess. (laughs) I'm here in South Carolina, and usually this is inexpensive gasoline. And I have to put premium in my car, and I paid, which I thought was low, $345 yesterday. All right? In Maryland, it's like $455, close to $5. I think the uh, oil companies are trying to get back at us for the fact that we were not driving during the pandemic. So, Ah, you know what? That could be it. But that's another story. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Jaeger CPA Review and more. As a token for our appreciation for your listenership, we'd like to offer you 10% off your next purchase with Jaeger CPA Review. Save between $50 to $150 with code PODCAST10. If you'd like more information, look us up on JaegerCPAReview.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate and review on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time.